Hey everyone, and welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bowen, and my next guest was last on to talk about her debut novel, Artemis Spark and the Soundseekers Brigade. Well, she is back with a new book in the Brave Girls collection, Jet Jameson and the Secret Storm. Author Kimberly Barra Kinney joins me. Kimberly, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Max. All right. Great to be here. Now, this book, uh, we did actually touch on this very, very briefly in the, in the, uh, in, uh, the last interview. Uh, this book is certainly, I think, on a higher level in terms of intensity and subject matter than your first one. Your first book was really all about the environment. This one is about, well, it's about personal trauma and book censorship. So certainly a very different gear we're shifting into. But my question to kind of kick this all off is, what made you want to go down this route for book number two? Well, with both books, I never made this explicit decision to go a certain way. Things just came to me. Um, the the girls, the female protagonists of my books sort of come to me. So, um, you know, Artemis had her issues. You know, she had challenges and uh, her friend also had some some emotional um, semi-traumatic issues with his dad. But this one, you're right, is way more um, edgy. So what happened is that this book is inspired by some factual stuff and some personal stuff. Um, but the original place where it came from is the local library that's here in Brantford uh, that I've spent a zillion trillion hours at. But come to find out, my mom, who also grew up in Brantford, spent an awful lot of time at this library. Her house uh, was very noisy. There were five siblings and it's tiny. So she would walk from home. She She's 90 years old. And she would walk from, from home to the library every day to get quiet. And then along the way, she met the nuns across the street at the convent. And so that fed into it. Um, and once you read the story, you'll understand how it fed into it. But also, you know, I find sanctuary in the library. I had a nun as a teacher who saw me and um, made me feel worthwhile, I guess is the word, made me feel seen. And I was a very shy little girl uh, with with issues that were difficult for me. So all those things fed into it. So it wasn't necessarily that I chose them, but you know what? They were bound to come out because they were part of my my life and part of my history, I think. And I believe the nuns actually make an appearance in the book in the form of um, uh, Sister Gia. She is a master gardener and cat whisperer extraordinaire. I want that job title. How do I get <laughs> that degree, okay? Because I want to be a cat whisperer. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious if Sister Gia is based off any particular nun that you knew. Well, um, no, she wasn't exactly like the teacher I had, um, but she she more sort of encompassed this, maybe the feelings that I had for that teacher, uh, being a wise mentor, gentle, understanding uh, adult that was interested in in helping children that might might need her. Okay. 
All right. So this book basically kicks off with uh, Jet going to the library to look for a certain book, which Sister Gia recommends. And I love how the description, it's not really given a name. We don't know what the book is. Do we ever learn that one? Well, that's you bring up an interesting point. The name of the, the book that's um, missing is called Resurrecting the Dragon. And that used to be the title for the book, actually. And then, yeah, so we we played around and decided that we wanted to uh, keep the girls' names in the titles of all the Brave Girl books. So we switched around. But anyway, yeah, it's called Resurrecting the Dragon. Um, and the book itself is recommended by Sister Gia. And, um, you know, Jet, Jet hears voices. She's fighting memories that she's trying to push down. Uh, she wants peace. She she's feeling very anxious. Um, so she goes to look for this book that Sister Gia recommends, and it's missing. She actually finds a copy at one point, and it's all marked up, and pages are torn out. And so this is what sets Jed off on her journey to find the missing book and um, ultimately come up against the people that are censoring it. How bad is the censorship at uh, at this library? Uh, because, of course, this is big in the news right now. Lots of states are, are just banning books left and right. So what's the situation with the Wisteria Library here? So with the Wisteria Library, um, it's interesting because the man who is the the big voice behind the censoring of this book and he's actually a um, he's a radio show host, and he has a very big. Sorry, sorry. He has a, <laughs> never Max, never. I feel like I was seen he, here actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he has a very big following, and he's he's basically saying we can't let books that are disturbing to our children be available for them, and and it's and it's you know and it and it's certainly not fair, but. In the book, you'll see he has a reason for feeling this way, um, and it's and it's not that I'm saying it's okay at all, and it certainly isn't okay as the way it's described in the book. But Jet sees a part of him, part of this very hard, tough, loud man that is soft, that has feelings. So um, yeah, so that's the, the censorship is basically. Uh, that it's a difficult subject. Kids shouldn't read about death or violence or anything like that, he says. And that, oh, I know, the, one of the big things was that in this book, the girl speaks with nature and trees have voices. And there's all sort of this magical realism that actually is in my book. But this man says, you know, this goes against our, our feeling, you know, this is not, the, nature is not God. Nature, nature's nature. We cannot revere nature like this. So this is um, the problem that Jed is up against. Yeah, definitely. Whole- Would you say that the radio host, and again, I, I, I'm not like being written into the book, am I? Because... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not at all. I didn't think no. so. It's good to know that I'm not, I'm not like uh, the actually, bad guy here. No, but my husband actually came up with this idea. And it, there's a guy, oh, well, there is. there are radio hosts that, you know, do do promote this kind of thing. 
Um, and that's, I think, what spurred my husband into thinking, hmm, would this be something that would work in this story? Hmm. So, okay. And no, all radio hosts are not like that. Ex- exactly. <laughs> there are some good ones out there. Um, <laughs> Many. But I'm curious if, uh, uh, do you see this radio host as being a, a good guy or a bad guy? Because it sounds like his character is a little bit complex. In the book, he's definitely the antagonist. Mm. You know, he wants the book gone. He, you know, he he has a radio show for parents and, you know, save our children. You know, we need to protect our children, which, you know, saving and protecting children isn't an odd goal for a parent at all. But it's to the point where he thinks he can save everybody's child and do what other parents should be doing for their own child, in my opinion. And um, that's what creates the angst mm. about him. I think. Yeah. And just as a quick side note, folks, go find a list of banned books and read them all. They're all amazing books. If it's banned, go read it. You're going to enjoy it. Learn something. You'll yeah. look at something from a different perspective, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I actually remember, I think it was uh, To Kill a Mockingbird has been banned, which I've read the book and seen the movie. It's a brilliant creation. Yeah, So I agree. I love that book. Yep. Go That's read fun. banned books, people. Go read them. Did you read Catcher in the Rye? Yes, I love that book too. And I've seen the movie. Both great. And that's been banned. And th- that first paragraph, the voice of of the of Holden Caulfield, it just blows me away. Yeah. But yeah. there are some things in it that people don't like. So. Yeah, well, who cares what they think? He swears. He swears. So Oh no, he swears. We never <laughs> God knows we never hear that anymore. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, kids never hear that. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's funny because I'm, I'm reading a book right now that really, the first thing I thought reading, I was like, huh, this is like Catching the Rye. It, it's, it, really, it really has a lot of elements of that, and it's good to see that books like that inspire writers. But anyway, I'm curious about Jet's role in sort of fighting the censorship. How does she kind of get involved, and what does she do when she realizes how serious the problem is? So she gathers her friends. She has two very close friends, um, a, a, um, a boy and a girl who are in her class that she brings together and convinces them to help her stage a silent protest, basically a sit-in on the steps of the radio host's um, building. And so that ends up drawing in a lot more people than they thought. She, you know, she had friends from school that, you know, got on the wan, uh, bandwagon with her. And what happens in that scene is quite explosive. So things backfire on Jet in that scene. So not to give anything away, but um, all her hopes and her strength of going forward gets, you know, bashed down in a way. Oh, yeah, really? things explode. Yeah. If it's not too yeah. spoilery, how does she find the strength to kind of keep going? That's not too spoilery. Mostly it concerns standing up for people whose voices are silenced. And she has people in her life whose voices have been silenced. Um, and I think down deep, she realizes she's silencing her own voice in that she's not um, willing to speak her her secret or even um, kind of acknowledge it herself at this point in the book. So that's what I think keeps her going is the, is the, the strength to just 
say this is just unjust. Is Jet a particularly brave person? Yes. Hmm. Very brave. She's okay. very brave. Um, because, you know, she starts off as a victim and she comes out at the end as a survivor. Hmm. And she comes out in the end with agency. Uh, she does things for other people that have been silenced. Um, not on her own. You know, she has other people that help her. But so I would say that's brave because she does also come to terms with her own um, tra past trauma, which isn't easy. And she talks to her parents about it, which isn't easy. And that's what makes her brave. You talk about Jet not dealing with these things alone. And I can recall in your first book, Artemis Spark, Artemis also has a close friend who is really her, her confidant, her uh, support system during the various challenges. Is that intentional, having the friends play such a strong role, kind of supporting the hero? Yes, yeah, because I don't think anyone is able to do big things just by their very self. I think I just I really believe in connections and networks and that sort of thing. So and also at this age group, friends are a big piece of life for them. So it just made sense. They automatically came into the picture. And when when Jet decided she was going to, you know, fight the injustice, it just made sense to have her try and get her friends involved. And at first they weren't ready to jump on board, but finally she was able to um, convince them. I'm curious about, now I know, as I mentioned before, uh, book censorship is big in the news right now, but I don't think it was when we first talked about this. But um, did, as this began to make headlines, did you find yourself saying, hmm, I should probably tweak these scenes because of kind of what's going on? Uh, this book was sold um, last August, oh. I believe. And so um, I had written it for a couple of years before that, because I worked on a few projects all at once. And um, so it was definitely complete way before August. I'm trying to think, I was certainly aware of book banning and book censorship, uh, but even more so obviously as the times rolled on and the, the book got picked up quicker than I thought, but then I thought, you know what? It's timely, this must be, you know, helping me, you know, get it out there. So um, I don't think it was really in my head to have a book about book censorship, but it all of a sudden I had the library, I had silenced voices, uh, I had a girl that needed help. And so it just fit to have a book involved. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's oddly prophetic because everything that your book deals with, we're now dealing with right now. I mean, I know. not that we weren't dealing with it before, but it's become, I think, a little more serious. In I totally agree. I totally agree. There's just so much going on right now that is reflected in the book, the thematically, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk a little more about Jet Jameson as a character. Uh, who is she? She's complex, and she brings a lot of her curiosity her questioning, she's questioning everything. You know, why do I have to live in a house with these noisy brothers? Why did my grandmother have to die? You know, her grandmother was one person who understood her 
and and was big with Jet. They both wanted peace. They were just very, you know, into, you know, spreading the word, making things peaceful. And now Jet is not peaceful. And she's got all this um, stuff pent up inside of her that needs to be, that's simmering, you know, like a storm. And pretty soon it's going to explode. So she brings that. She brings curiosity. I think she's got anger that she's suppressing and um, and fear, shyness in a way, even though she barrels forward when she gets angry. So that's what she brings. And she drives the story in that way. She makes her own, she makes trouble for herself because of the way she's built. But in the end, she gets through it and is cha- is a changed girl at the end. Not that anybody's perfect, We nobody is, but she's changed in a good way in that she um, accepts herself and is no longer ashamed of what she's been through and is is able to share this gift of, of actually wisdom with those that are uh, like her. One of the vibes I got from reading this book, uh, so the first chapter we have Jet hiding in the bathroom from the noise of the cafeteria. It just gets too much for her. And we see that she's been doing this a lot. She actually has a sort of marker on the wall for how many times she does it in a given month. And it ranges from like, you know, three to like 10. So clearly this is a big problem for her. As you said, she becomes a much different person by the end of the book. How does she change? Is she someone very new or just someone different? I think she's just someone different. Hmm. I think that because of her relationship with Sister G because of her relationship with Rodney and her other friends, because of her relationship with the librarian, the librarian also plays a big part here. So all of those uh, forces in her life play together and that's what drives her along and helps her change. It helps her, you know, sometimes it just takes someone else to say, you know, you sounded really crabby when you said that to your mother or something like that. You just need it brought up by someone else. You can't see it in yourself sometimes. But Jet was lucky because she had several people in her life that called her on her issues. You know, it called her when she was like being snappy or, you know, not listening as as a good friend would. So that that helped her along with the changing as well. Okay. You mentioned a librarian and certainly librarians are awesome people. Uh, who is this librarian and so the librarian's name is Louise, and she's she, she bonded with Jet as soon as Jet moved into town, and because Jet loves reading, and the librarian would put aside all her favorite books. You know, when the new one came out in the series, she'd put it aside and this and that. But when the book goes missing that Sister G recommended, Louise wanted nothing to do with talking about it. And not only Louise, other people that Jet tried to get information from. So so here we have her supposedly trusted friend Louise now closing up and she doesn't understand that. And by the end of the book, you'll understand, but I can't really give away anything else about that. Uh, no, no. We got... The librarian is really a beautiful character as sort of the way I feel about all the librarians. I know mm-hmm. um, the book is in honor of librarians and libraries and, they deserve more love. They're hardworking right now, and, and they've got to be stressed to the max. Mm-hmm. Did you have a librarian growing up that you really connected with? 
I don't think I had a librarian, but I, I, I mean, I had libraries that I loved. I loved any library. And um, I mean, I remember my parents had bookshelves full of books and I really had access to anything I wanted to read on those shelves. And a lot of them were, you know, adult book of the month club things or something like that. But I was able to read those. And then, of course, there's a school library that was tiny and then my town library. But I don't I honestly don't remember the librarians very well. I don't know why. I was also very shy, so I probably wasn't the type to strike up a conversation with them. Even if they asked me a question, I'd probably give them a one word answer or something like that. Yep, I'm right there with you because I also <laughs> loved uh, libraries. When my hometown one got rebuilt, I was happiest day of my life, basically. It was like, we have a brand new library and it's got all this cool stuff in it. But I also didn't know anyone there because, like you, I was very shy as a kid. And if they had talked to me, I would have been like, um, yes, okay, sure, just get me out of this conversation. <laughs> Exactly. I know the feeling well. <laughs> ah. So so the library was definitely a place of refuge for you growing up? Right. And I was just thinking as you were saying that, even though neither of us had close relationships with our librarians in our lives, we found, as you just said, sanctuary in the library. It was our safe place. It was our comfortable place. Uh, it was, it, you know, a fun place. It was not only educational and, um, you know, it was quiet then. Librarians can, libraries are a little more, you don't have to be so hush-hush in every spot of the library anymore like you did in my day. But um, even though I didn't have connections with the librarians, I had a very special connection to the library overall. And um, I don't mean just in the building way. I just mean, obviously, the, it was because of the librarians that I had that feeling. The way they ran the library was something that um, worked for me. Mm -hmm. I was lucky because my library was right down the street from my house. So uh, for summer vacation, I'd be going back and forth there every other day, getting like new books. Everyone yes. else is going to the beach and partying. I'm just like, get, I'm just like getting books and reading all day. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be heaven to me. I mm. know it. I'm curious when you were younger, did you have a specific book title you were a fan of or a book series that you really liked? I, I, um, when I was really young, I was probably like eight or seven. There was a book called Pookie that is, I think it's out of print now. And it was about a, a little rabbit who grew wings and he was, uh, his mother wanted nothing to do with him because he wasn't like the other little rabbits. <laughs> they, she, she tied him ribbon around him so the wings wouldn't stick out. And the poor little bunny had finally went off into the woods to, to seek his fortune and find a new life. But then he ends up, you know, making a friend with the woodcutter's daughter and he finds a new family. But he also finds the strength to go back home and be happy that he's himself with his wings and he's taken back in by his own family. So I love that story. And then oh. when I got a little older, I liked the Nancy Drew books a whole lot. I loved those books. Mm. Rabbit with Wings. <laughs> that's hard to wow that's that's i can i can kind of see the mom's mom's reaction like wait you're a rabbit why do you have wings yeah. how did this even happen yeah i don't know because none of his brothers and sisters had wings yeah yeah that, that's that's a big that's a big difference that's a big difference I know. for me growing up um it was two book series that i was a big fan of one was uh tintin which is a comic series it doesn't age well folks i'll tell you that right now <laughs> if you can get old copies of it it doesn't age well, okay? Okay. 
I said it. Cigar of the Pharaoh. Are you thinking of Cigar of the Pharaoh? Or yeah, the there's so there there are some things there that just don't they don't age well, no matter how I you look know. at it. I I have that copy because my son owned a copy when he was young. Oh, cool. And I, I picked it up to read to my my five year old grandson, and I said, you know what, Everett, I don't think we're going to be reading this. I it just wasn't you're right it doesn't age well there's too much to skip that's the thing you you you, you, you be skipping over entire chapters with this thing it's it's uh i mean i think what i liked about it was he was a journalist and of course that's my job and so and i just thought he was kind of a cool character but yeah there there's a lot to it that just does not clearly it was written in a very different time period it doesn't age well the end yeah uh, the yeah. other one, which does age well, actually, this one's okay, is uh, the Dragonlance series, which is, I believe, based off the Dungeons & Dragons game. But as a young oh. person, I just, I tore through those books. I read so many of them, and I still have them today, actually. I still have all those books. Not from the library. I gave those back. <laughs> but I bought yeah. them myself and just have a ton of copies to this day. So it, those two series really, I think more than anything else, really inspired my love of reading. It is amazing. It's it's amazing how many many children are so into series, and it's it's almost like you know they they can't wait for the next one to come out, um, which which to me is is uh, puts a lot of pressure on the author. <laughs> you better um, live up to your your past books, but I understand that for sure. Yeah, I'll bet because your books have gotten such rave reviews. You've gotten there's so many quotes uh, that are part of the press kit about all these great people saying amazing things about your books. Does that put any pressure on you though? To say, to say, okay, these things really need to, you know, be hits. I think especially with Jet Jameson, I'm ready for, it, it's not going to be clean across the board that people are going to love the book. Um, and I'm ready for it. You know, it's, 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 you know, it's not light and, um, you know, all jolly all the time, but there is humor in it. And there's definitely hope in it. And I think it's a necessary book. But as far as the ratings, I think it's just, you know, it's like if you and I read a book, we may not agree that we liked it. And it may be, and you know, you may have 10 people that love it and 10 people that hate it. And it's just so subjective, I think, that I, I'm used to the fact that um, people aren't, you know, totally going to be sold on everything I write. Hmm. You know? hmm. I mean, it just it's just going to be that way. Given that, did you have any hesitation, especially with Jameson's character being someone who survived trauma growing up? When I was writing it, I was gung-ho. I was just so inspired by the fact that I, you know, there was a character that I felt super connected with and that I felt would connect with a lot of kids out there. So I was very gung-ho the entire way out. But to be clear... In the recent past, it's not like I haven't woken up in the middle of the night saying, what have you gotten into? You know, I have to speak about this book, you know, and um, it's not going to be a book that I'm going to go into schools with like I was with Artemis. You know, there's I, I hope to get into schools, of course, but it's, it's it takes a gentler approach. Um, not every child is going to be wanting to read it or, you know, ready to read it. So it's more a book um, that, that definitely needs discussion. And so I'm trying to find places that will uh, embrace it. There, I've had librarians already tell me how much they love it and how I've had a school psychologist tell me how necessary it is. I need to write a curriculum for it, he said. But it's something that will be 
um, hopefully embraced and used in book clubs that are well facilitated by an adult. Um, there's nothing graphic in it at all. Uh, and, and it's not like a big, heavy, I don't think most people would think it's a big, heavy book, but there are serious themes in it. So uh, it's, it's tempered with humor and hope, as I've said. Um, but so that at times gives me a little bit of nervousness, only nervousness that I say, what if I can't get it out there to people that need it? And the answer to that is I just need to work harder and think about who the audience is and who the people are that can get it into the hands of the kids that need it. And so that's that's my goal. Who do you think needs this book? I would say kids like me when I was a kid, a kid that felt lonely and, you know, it's not like I had a bleak childhood, but I had I had childhood trauma and uh, if I had had a book like this in my childhood or any book with a protagonist who had gone through trauma, I would have been like, oh, whoa, you know, not only me. And I think now times are changing and there are more books like this coming out for this age group, um, which I just am so, so happy to see, which means that trauma won't be um, so much kept secret for a lot of these children. They'll be able to Talk, hopefully they will be inspired to talk to an adult, get an adult's help um, and let go of the, the secret, the shame and move on with their lives and not wait till they're an adult to do it like I did. Can we talk a bit about Jet's trauma and the role it plays in this book? Well, you never really, it's only in the book, it's only referred to as voices in her head as, and you, you just, you just, I think the reader knows there's something that was scary in her background, something that really um, bothered her enough so that she doesn't want to talk about it or remember it. But she she is exhibiting these anxious behaviors, um, like you mentioned, you know, tally marks on the bathroom wall because she's trying to talk herself out of having to run away when she hears loud noises. She wants to really, you know, get rid of that behavior. So that's what the reader will take away from it. And that that it does, I'm not going to give anything away, but yes, you will hear about what exactly traumatized her in basically a sentence. And it's trauma that so many children go through today. So many children grow up with violence. Um, so that's why, that's why I'm really hoping that I can get this book out to people that need it and that can help me get it there. We talked about this in the last interview, but, um, I know you yourself are someone who is, who experienced trauma as a child. And I can definitely see why you wanted to put this in, in this book too. In writing Jet's character, in crafting her backstory, did you find she was really reflecting your experiences too, or was it different? Some of it is is very much like what I went through, and some of it's different. To write the character was not always easy. I had to do a lot of soul searching myself, and 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 it went through these these uh, versions, these edits, these drafts where. She just wasn't ringing true. And um, 
actually it was, you know, working with a therapist that helped me get in touch with what I was feeling as a child and what I feel now as an adult that, you know, I had to get vulnerable, I guess. And then I was able to sink myself more into developing this character that uh, has bits of what I went through in her. So it wasn't it wasn't easy, but I want to just say that there are a few, several middle grade books out now where I've loved the book and I get to the author's notes at the end and they are so upfront and truthful about their own personal life and how that is reflected in the book. And I think that's so brave of them. And it's also, it's such a great role model for kids to see that here's this person that went through exactly what they're going through and they came out the other side and they actually wrote a book and published it about it. You know, it's that, you know, things change, things move on. It's not a given that your life is going to be crappy for the whole rest of your existence. Um, there's hope there. And that's, that's what I'm crossing my fingers that I can get across. So that is a central message of the book, hope. Well, hope, but also, also, well, for traumatized kids, yes, please reach out to an adult. There is hope, but there's also message for those that aren't traumatized or or don't know people that are traumatized, and that is, how can we be judging a person's behavior when we don't know their background? So the kids, when they would see Jet run and hide when there was noise. Oh, they just gave her so much grief about that. But little did they know why she was doing that. She was triggered by the noise. And the the children didn't understand that, but they were very quick to make fun of her for it. So the message there is we need to open our hearts and be less judgmental and let people tell their stories. And um, I think we'd be a happier a happier planet if we did that. Agreed. All right. Well, Kimberly, we are coming down to the end of the conversation, but we got a few more questions for you before we wrap this up. We last had you on to talk about Artemis Spark, your debut book, which is phenomenal, folks. Go get it. It's a great book, especially if you have a young environmentalist in the family, a young activist in the in the family. They're going to love it. But I do want to ask about Artemis and Jameson. Do these two have anything in common? They do. They have a lot in common. Well, so they've both been victimized, but they both come out the other end as survived, strong, brave survivors. Um, they both find healing in nature. Um, they both have allies. They have adult allies and they have peer allies. Um, they both come out at, at the end where they they start out perhaps not liking themselves so much and being judgment self-judgmental about one thing or another but in the end they they're ex more accepting of who they are and so they're able to be more authentic and so they're able to be more comfortable in their bodies and they're able to um they're able to function better and have more fun in life they can find joy all right, so the big question, of course, uh, is what's next? Oh, what's next? I have a third book that's complete, and I just and it's been through all my critique buddies and groups and things, and I sent it to my editor, an editor that I've used before, and she's found a few things 
that I couldn't articulate. There were things in the book that just didn't set well with me, even though other people were saying, oh, it's great, send it out. So I have some work left to do on it, even though it's complete. And then I have started a fourth book and um, that's very much still in the beginnings of, you know, the dust, the foundation starting. So this is four books in a span of really, I think, a few years. That's you're really loving this, aren't you? Well, yeah. So the the well, if you really want to look at it from when I started writing them all, I mean, Artemis was back mm, at least six years, and then I would send that book out. And while I was waiting to hear back if anyone wanted it, I would be working on Jet, and then you know the same thing. I send that out, and then I work on the next one. So. You know, it it happened over a, a bunch of years, actually. I'm not a super fast writer like some writers are, okay. some authors are. Okay, I get you. I get you. Do we have a name for the third book character? Yes. That third book's character's name is Lola. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we can definitely, well, folks, we can, uh, we can definitely look forward to meeting Lola, who I'm sure will have a lot to share with us. Do you feel like your books are all going to have some kind of uh, some kind of a message to convey? I think the way I write is usually um, I think it invites introspection and, you know, it, it'll appeal to those kids that like to think about think a little more deeply about things and to kids who don't need things tied up neatly in a bow at the end. Um, kids that want to question. Um, it, it, they're all discussion starters in that way. So it's all in what the reader takes out of it, really. I mean, they could read Artemis and, you know, find it a playful romp, you know, and then there are other kids that'll read it and say, oh, what happened to her friend Warren? Ouch. You know, that's, that's a tough, that's a tough, tough situation. So I guess it's all from the reader's point of view. Okay. Well, certainly, folks, we want to hear your points of view, and you can reach out to the author by, um, by going to Kimberly, uh, Kimberly Berekene, uh, B-E-H-R-E-K-E-N-N-A.com. It's all there. Follow her social. Certainly get copies of the book. And Jet Jameson and the Secret Storm out on August 3rd. Pre-order your copy now because we love to uh, see that. And, of course, leave reviews. Always helpful. And Kimberly, definitely looking forward to the next conversation for the next book. Yes, thank you, Max. I'm looking forward to it, too. This is Angelina Singer, author of the Upper World series, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout, the best podcast for independent artists. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. You can find this show on your favorite podcast platforms and new episodes are added every week, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. You can get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com. Whether you want to suggest a guest, submit music for the bi-weekly Blackout Collection playlist, or just say hello. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.